Purdue might have found the right opponent at the right time in Ohio State as the Boilermakers blasted the Buckeyes on Sunday in Mackey Arena. Did the W solve what had ailed Purdue? Let's talk to Mike Carmen and get more football news, too, with Tom Deanhart. I'm Kyle Charters on Gold and Black Radio. Carmen a moment, but first, this. Sand Valley is hosting its annual Brews and Brats Festival March 17th through 19th. Get in early and enjoy a complimentary sampler flight and snacks before the Brewmaster Dinner Friday night hosted by New Glarus. Saturday afternoon features a self-guided beer tour from Wisconsin and Greater Midwest Breweries, complete with snacks, games, and live music by the Jason McNabb Duo. Get your tickets today by calling 877 On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find Industrial or by visiting Sand Valley Pursuits, like front slash events, Eastern Grills menu front slash SB, Dallas Burgers, Brews, Fresh Fish, Brats. and Steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. All right, Carm, let's talk a little bit of hoops. The Boilermakers uh, get a victory against Ohio State on Sunday. Really ran away with the thing in the second half to win by 27. I think the Buckeyes might have been for Purdue, which had lost a couple of games in a row in three of its last four, maybe a, a mini slump, if you will. Maybe the Buckeyes were the perfect opponent at the perfect moment for Purdue as the Boilermakers now head into a little bit of a break before Indiana on Saturday. Yeah. What was it that Gene Katie said? It's not who you play. It's when you play them. And yeah, uh, this was, you know, high state's been reeling uh, throughout most of the big 10 season. You know, when you go back to the first Purdue game, uh, the teams went in different directions after that, but yeah, it, it, the timing of it worked out. Purdue needed a, a get well win. Uh, they needed, you know, they needed to take care of the ball. They needed to get back to their rebounding dominance, which they did. Uh, they need to see some three pointers go down, which happened. Zach did what Zach normally does. Uh, but it was good to see like Mason Gillis get 10 boards. Caleb first gets six boards at 16 from the four, four spot there. And just kind of get that aggression back on the boards that they're going to need to have. Yeah. Uh, Saturday and then beyond to to get to to where they want to be. So, you know, a lot of things came together right for them. You know, it, there was no stress really in the game after the first, you know, ten minutes or so. Uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a, a get well win for them. And now, as you mentioned, they get a week off to get ready for Indiana. And who who knows exactly what the situation is going to be Saturday for Purdue as far as the Big Ten title is concerned. They just kind of sit back and let things play out and then you get to Saturday and you, you see what kind of see what the scenario is. Yeah. Northwestern still has a, a game uh, during the week uh, against Illinois. Uh, you know, it's easier to play 
at home. It's easier to play at home from in front in the lead. Uh, but did you feel like, did you get the sense watching that, that some of the frustrations that Purdue had experienced over the last couple of games, maybe just being on the road and with the officials and how games were being called, you know, clearly that all at Maryland overwhelmed them to the point that they just could not, could not function there for a stretch of the second half, which, which was costly, obviously. Did you get any sense that maybe they, they, they had tried to, tried to some extent turn the page on all of that and, and, and just get back to trying to, to focus on what they can control. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a, there was a question in the, in the press conference um, uh, Sunday uh, regarding officiating. It wasn't like a direct question about officiating. Just, you know, did they feel officiate uh, games are officiated different differently if you're at the close game or you're getting a blowout and they, and, you know, Zach Eady and Mason and Ethan Morton just quickly just said, hey, we're we're done talking about that. You know, we, you know, we're control what we can control, the refs, refs, we play, you know, the whole thing. And, I, you know, I think the I think Mason's technical at Maryland kind of was the tipping point for all this. Yeah. That was the, the kind of the bowling point of what what they had experienced just from their own perspective uh, regarding officiating. They, they did not feel they were getting the right end of, of some of these calls, uh, whether, you know, they feel like they're getting picked on or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it, it I think it, it, it crept into their play a little bit, but then when, you know, Mason didn't feel like he fouled the guy and then he waved off the official and he got the technical, which everybody knows changed the game, yeah. uh, on, on Thursday night, you know, that was kind of come to a head. You know, the question is, did, did the players get together and say, listen, let's cut this stuff out. You know, we're, we're better than that. Yeah. Let's just focus on what we're doing and just kind of play through this stuff. Or did it come from the coaching staff and painter just say, Hey, cut it out. You know, yeah. let me handle the officials and, and all that kind of stuff, regardless of where it came from. I, you know, this could be a, a springboard for them just to kind of play through things. Are they going to deal with things from an official standpoint these last three games and in the big 10 tournament and the NCAA tournament. Yes. And you know, how state tried to do some things to rough them up a little bit early in the game, just to see what they could get away with. And yeah. the officials kind of stopped it after initial, a, a couple things that probably should have been called that, that weren't, but once they kind of got a handle on that and, you know, their their smaller post players were delivering forearm shivers in the back of Edie <laughs> that were called and you know, they were very physical on the perimeter, just trying to disrupt, you know, Braden and Fletcher. Uh, but you know, Purdue battled through that and, and uh, you know, got to the finish line in this whole thing. So I, I think the Maryland game kind of has has given them a, a reason just to say, Hey, we'll play. And we'll deal with it. Does you know? It doesn't mean they won't question calls. Doesn't mean any of that. It's just don't let it don't let it consume you to a point where uh, it it affects your game. And it probably did on on Thursday in, in in some fashion. It does seem like the formula for these opponents these days against Purdue is going to be to try to press. And Ohio State did that with success early on uh, in the game to the point where you were uh, you know for a couple of minutes there. You wondered whether Purdue was going to grab control of it a little bit. Um, and, and then also just to be 
very physical out on the perimeter with Purdue's two two freshman guards. Um, does that seem like that's the formula that everybody is going to try to use right now? And is Purdue equipped to, you know, it handled it against Ohio State, but the Buckeyes have their own set of issues. Uh, uh, will they be able to handle it against the Maryland's and, and others of the world? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's the question, you know, moving forward. Um, you know, teams that, you know, think that that's the blueprint to beat Purdue, you know, is one thing. But if you don't do that, if that's not part of your DNA as a program or a team, then you, you're kind of going out of character a little bit. I mean, if you don't have long athletic guards that can press and disrupt, you know, Purdue's backcourt, then it's not gonna it's not gonna work for you. Uh, you know, it's it's gonna be, to me it's gonna be a matchup situation with Purdue once you get in the tournament. Um, you know, who who you face it. A team like Miami has big guards, uh, outside of Nigel Pack, but they're long and athletic on the perimeter. There's yeah. that fit that bill. Maryland would be one, but you wouldn't see them in the NCAA tournament necessarily in the first couple rounds. So, you know, if that's what if that's what teams do, then they're gonna try to cause Purdue problems. The other thing that they're gonna try to do is just be physical with Zach Eady to the point where they're going to see what they can get away with. And that that's happened all year. And, you know, if the games are officiated the way they should be, then, uh, you know, Purdue should be able to handle that. But even if they're not, you know, they've got to play through it and they've got to be able to handle those things and not let that, let that affect, affect the game. But I, yeah, I fully expect once they start seeing new opponents that they're going to press them, they're going to do some different things. Um, and it's just, you know, they're going to have to handle it. But, they, you know, they've seen a lot of stuff this year, and they should be prepared for uh, for what they see, unless a coach is just so stubborn like Tom Izzo, who won't who, who won't double the post. <laughs> I know you kind of live with with stuff like that. And there, there are coaches out there that will just, oh, we don't double the post. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck trying to guard Zach Heaty one-on-one with your, your 6'9 post player. Uh, won't double in the post and then complains endlessly about the results of not doubling in the post. Uh, (laughs) It seems to me with Zach, it does seem like the last couple of games that he has tried to, he has tried to be quicker into his moves to try to beat some of the double teams coming to him, double or triple teams. Does it seem that way to you too, that he has, he has tried to make his decisions more quickly, either getting into his moves into the, into the lane or trying to pass the ball more quickly back onto the perimeter? Yeah, I think he's tried that. And I think the Northwestern game last week was kind of a sign that he needed to do that more because I thought Northwestern was really quick in their doubles. And I mean, they, they were, they were moving while the ball was in the air. They were, you know, their, their plan was to, to get to him as quickly as possible and force him to make a decision or bottle him up so much that he made it, he made a bad pass. But you know, these last couple games, you know, he's tried to do that a little bit. He's tried to counter that by making his decision, you know, quicker. And if you, in the first half, once he got the ball out of the post and they played ring around the rosy on the perimeter where, where the ball just moved uh, around the three-point line until it landed in a three-point shooter's hands, yeah. uh, that's, that's how you beat that stuff. And, you know, Purdue's going to have to do that. But, yeah, he's – I think he's getting a little bit quicker than that. Um, and not that teams didn't come at him quick 
uh, quickly during the season, but it was to me the Northwestern game was really a telling sign of that. And he, you know, he had a couple turnovers that he just was throwing to whomever on the sideline. He was just trying to get the ball out of his hands, but yeah. it'd be another adjustment for him. And if you get a team that has some size on the front line that can bring quick double teams, then you know that that could cause them some problems. But it's just something that. Purdue's going to have, again, they're going to have to deal with that and kind of know where the ball, uh, you know, is going to go and where it needs to end up uh, to, to kind of counter that. Matt Painter did make one switch uh, on Sunday, flipping uh, Mason Gillis and, and Caleb first, Gillis into the starting lineup. I have always felt like the, the Edie Gillis combination, and I, I don't, you know, I don't know if it matters that much, but I felt like that combination might at the beginning of the game work a little bit better um, just because Gillis ability to sort of find openings on the, on the perimeter. Do you think it matters uh, all that much? Which guy is starting? Uh, I, I don't know if it matters because both guys play around the same number of minutes. And I, you know, I think it's important to understand why the change was made. It was made in part because Caleb was sick Yeah, Thursday um, at Maryland and only played 14 minutes and he didn't practice Friday. Yeah. The the conspiracy theorist in you or me <laughs> say, well, that gave Matt Painter the opening to, to move Gillis back in the lineup, something he's always wanted to do because a few weeks ago, um, Gillis started the second half and Caleb didn't. Right. And I remember asking Matt if he was considering a lineup change. This was going into the IU game. And I thought that they would make that change prior to the IU game where Gillis would start and first would come off the fence because first had kind of plateaued. You really mm-hmm. wasn't getting a whole lot out of him offensively. Um, and, you know, road game, maybe you need a different kind of spark to, to get things going. But they, they held off on that change. But, you know, maybe this allowed that that to happen and that's what they stay with or – you take it at face value that, okay, he was sick and he missed practice, so Mason gets the start. But I, I would be really interested, and I don't have the capability of doing this, and I'm sure somebody has it on a spreadsheet, but just what is the production with Edie and Gillis compared to Edie and First right. when they're on the floor? What's the plus minus? What's, you know, what are, what, are the, what are the numbers tell you? And I'm sure Purdue has that information yeah. and has seen that information all year. But I, I just, and I think fans would be curious to see you know, what, what is that production level there? I mean, if you're going right. to get 10 out of Mason Gillis because he starts, then, you know, I, I that, to me, that's an easy decision. But we all know it doesn't work like that. And, you know, and maybe maybe Caleb is a little bit more comfortable coming off the bench. Uh, you know, who knows? But you get 16 rebounds out of the four spot, you know, I, I think you're going to win. You're going to win a lot of games. And I just feel like maybe Caleb first gets more post-up opportunities when he's out there with Trey Kaufman, ran, then he might get when he's out there with Zach Eady. Right. Whereas yeah. you're not going to post up Mason Gillis necessarily. No, no, no. He's, he's, he's going to be out on the perimeter. Uh, the whole idea coming into this season was that Purdue had this versatile front line with Eady and Gillis and first and Kaufman Wren that when Eady came out of the game, Kaufman Wren and first would be able to spread the floor out a little bit because they both can play on the perimeter but it hasn't worked out that way where they've used Kaufman Red as a, as a back to the basket player. Yeah. Uh, 
and that's just kind of how it, it it worked. I was really fascinated by that lineup at the beginning of the year to see how it was going to work and how many threes they could get out of that because you're bringing your bringing the opposing team's post players out the guard. You're creating more space uh, there for other players to to maybe drive and and do some different things. But you know, it's kind of you know you've you know you put Trey Kaufman in there basically as a as a miniature Zach Eady. <laughs> uh, and then he's and he has performed well. He doesn't take a lot of shots, but he hits he hits a lot of shots. Yeah, and played one of his better games from a number standpoint. He, he was and he was active on the defensive end Sunday as well. And I, I and I think he's kind of a. I know this wasn't your question, but he's. I think he's a bit of a mini key for Purdue because if you can, you're going to have a drop off when Zach comes out of the game. But if you can not right. have big of a drop off and 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 Trey gives you some production at both ends of the floor, you know, that's going to kind of get you through some, some, some points in a game where you can extend the lead or if you need to come back. So I, I think he's a, I think he's an important yeah. uh, person for them as they get into the, these last three games and obviously the postseason. Thanks, Carm. All righty. All right, let's take a break. We'll uh, talk to Tom Deanhart. Get his thoughts on football. That's coming up next. This is Golden Black Radio. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at twdesignbuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Tom, let's talk a little bit of uh, football. A lot going on for the Boilermakers, including the spring football schedule, which we know a little bit more about now. Uh, It's later. Man, in in past years, probably, what, the last six years or so, it would be starting, like, right now, which seems... uh, Seems a little crazy, but uh, but that's the way it had been uh, under Jeff Brom. They'll get a little bit later start this year, and maybe it won't always be this way. But uh, in what a month and a day, mm-hmm. March twenty first, Purdue spring football will commence once again. Yeah, you're right. Jeff Brom liked to go early. That last week of February is when he he usually kicked off. I think some of that was in case somebody got hurt, Kyle. I guess they had more time to rehabilitate and get healthy for the summer and then training camp. Um, When I spoke to Ryan Walters in Orlando before the bowl, um, we talked about that a little bit. He, he likes having his guys get a good solid, what about eight weeks? I think he said of of strength and conditioning work in the winter. So they're ready for spring football and maybe they can avoid any injuries during spring football. So just a little different philosophy on his part um i got a chance to visit with the new strength coach 
a week or so ago. Kiro Small, a very engaging guy, a good personality. Kyle, the younger guy, as you would suspect, everybody on that staff seems like they're under 40. <laughs> he came from Michigan where he was like the associate strength coach. He played fullback at Arkansas for Brett Bielema, was drafted by the Seahawks with a cup of coffee NFL guy. Just a real engaging, fun guy, sort of a bowling ball, about five foot six, five foot seven. Kyle, have you ever seen him? You're supposed to call him Coach Rowe, so just remember that. It's Coach Rowe. But, uh, again, he's one guy to talk to. <laughs> guy to talk to. He's got his guys going through the paces right now. Um, a, lot, a lot of positive things to say. And Kyle, you covered football a long time. You know the value of these strength coaches. They're the one assistant coach that probably has the most access of anybody in the building. Yeah. So that strength coach and his staff, he's got four guys under him, Kyle. They – they, they obviously are going to play a huge role in shaping uh, Ryan Walter's first edition of his Boilermaker football program. I know this. Uh, whatever the strength coach wants me to call him, I will go ahead <laughs> and call him. Uh, what's the – you know, any feel for sort of what the program is like for the offseason changes, what sort of they're trying to focus on during these weeks before spring practice? He went through a different thing. They, they, they have different, you know, I think they divide it up into four different seasons, if you will. They try to work on different things. Right now, it's more building up their strength and obviously some of their aerobic stuff as well. And then, and then as the season progresses, they have to get in the summer and then the season, you know, things are obviously changed and altered into more of a maintenance type of a program. So um, I think he was a guy that was ready for the step. At least it seems like he was ready to take that next step, Kyle. And uh, again, I'm just talking to Eric Miller, too, the big sixth-year senior offensive tackle who's who's been around the block a little bit, and and he, he seems to be really pleased with uh, with just the different vibe, I guess. That that's one sense you get talking a lot of these 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 people who are holdovers, just the different vibe in the building, if you will. Uh, yeah. So again, it, it's it's much more youthful, much more engaging, it seems, and and we'll see how this all translates as we move forward here. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I've heard some of the same things about the vibe just being a little bit different. I think it is anytime you have a new coaching staff come mm -hmm. in, and there's probably strengths, you know, to one coaching staff uh, and strengths of of another. But that does seem to be a general theme, right? That there is a maybe a little bit more engagement, good vibe going over in in the football building. Yeah, I think they want it to be a, an environment that that they that they like being at, Kyle. Because let's be honest, they're going to spend a lot of time over there. Yeah. And the, the more welcome they feel, the more engaged they feel, uh, the more they're going to be at least happy when they're over there, right? <laughs> That's basically where they spend most of their lives. You know, watching film, visiting with coaches, working out, doing formal drills, um, you know, getting ready to go eat. So, again, most of their most of their time at Purdue is spent in that building. So you want it to be a welcoming place. That's why they have a lot of those different accommodations. It almost makes it feel like an apartment. Yeah, sort of, sort of like those Silicon Valley companies that, yeah. yeah, they got they feed you free. They have foosball tables, all this stuff. That's because they never want you to leave. <laughs> you yeah. work all the time. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so this spring, I, I think, will be one of the more intriguing springs for Purdue that we have had. I mean, look, to be honest, sometimes spring football is like okay, uh, they're just out there practicing. And you don't know, you know, from an outsider perspective, how much you're really learning about the team. I, I think this year could be a little bit different. A, there's a new coaching staff in there. B, uh, Purdue's going to have a new quarterback, uh, mm. obviously, uh, seemingly for the first time in forever. Um, 
will there be a legitimate quarterback competition here, do you think? Or is it Hudson Card's position to lose? How do you think that will work out? Well, I talked to Graham Harold, the OC, about a month ago now about that very subject. I got a story posted now about it. And he says it's going to be an open competition, Kyle. Uh, but I obviously know this. There's only three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster at this very moment. Of course, Hudson Card, the Texas transfer. And then Brady Allen's returning as a redshirt freshman. And Kyle, your number three quarterback, is an early arriving true freshman, Ryan Brown. So yeah. that, that's your scholarship quarterback depth chart. Uh, may, may, maybe maybe I, I shouldn't be scared, but I would feel more comfortable if I had a, a, more of a seasoned guy on there as well. Now, Hudson Card's been on, on a college campus for three years now, Kyle. He started games in Austin. So he's a veteran, right? And uh, I got to think, we all think, right, he's got to be the presumptive number one. Yeah. No offense to Brady Allen, but Brady's going to be given every chance to compete, I think. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a question for you, too, Kyle. I mean, how do you feel? Would you feel more comfortable if you still had an Austin Burton type of a guy? I mean, boy, you go from Hudson Card to Brady Allen. I mean, maybe Brady Allen's ready. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. But I'm just not sure, Kyle, the type of quarterback Purdue could get out of the portal at this point. Because that quarterback, those quarterbacks in the portal, they want to start, right? Yeah. They're not coming to be the backup. And that's more what Purdue probably would want would be a backup. But, again, just circling back to Hudson Card real quick. Kyle, he didn't come here to be the number two quarterback. No. I mean, he, he's the guy, right? So, again, it's going to be fun watching this whole thing develop and to see if Brady Allen can maybe push him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the coaches can talk about competition all they want. I, You know, that's fine. Uh, it seems to me that, that Card is the guy until he's not the guy. Uh, yeah. It's got to be his position um, unless he somehow loses it. And if he does lose it, maybe that's because Brady Allen or someone else has come and, and swiped it from him, which wouldn't be uh, a bad thing for Purdue, uh, you would not think. Uh, combine coming up uh, here shortly, uh, Tom, the, the NFL Combine. Purdue will have, is it five guys? Five? Is that five. a – That's got to be a – that's got to be I was going to ask you. I was going to ask record, you. Right? I mean, go back to those – go back to the 2004, 2005 Combine. One of those drafts, Kyle, didn't they have like 10 or 11 guys drafted? Yeah wonder like the Joe Odom and Gilbert Gardner era those all those guys were getting picked to Davidi so I can't I was thinking the same thing I don't know if there's any way if anybody's got a record of that but yeah five Boilermakers Kyle Aiden O'Connell was a late addition and uh, of course Payne Durham and Charlie Jones you got Corey Trice and Jalen Graham so five Boilers my friend and who will be the first Boiler off the board Kyle Charters uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm gonna say Payne Durham. Yeah, that that I guess that would be my, the that would be the safe. Yeah, uh, the safe, safe pick. One. I mean, I guess if you're you know if you're Corey Trice. Um, yeah, I like you, him. You test well. You run well. I think that'll be uh, the question. How you know it has at his size? How fast is he? Um, I you know he could he could really test well and and be a guy that could move up the chart. I would think. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been some talk about Aiden O'Connell, and and you know he he throws the ball really well. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's probably one of the most accurate passers uh, that that Purdue has had. I don't think this last season his numbers were not as good as they were the year before. I don't think that's entirely on him. He did not have as many weapons either mm -hmm. uh, as he did uh, the year before. Um, at least reliable uh, 
you know, consistent weapons out there. So, uh, you know, maybe he moves up the chart a little bit. I, I don't know. I, his ceiling, though, seems to, to be the fourth round, I, in my opinion. But, you know, I'm just yeah. a guy. Um, I think so you're right. Good question. You know, maybe Payne Durham is, is, the, is the answer. Yeah, Corey Trice, like you said, he's the guy. If he, if he runs well, Kyle, six foot three, 215 pound cornerback, there's about four positions they really value in the NFL. They always want a left offensive tackle, they want an edge rusher, of course, a quarterback. They want to shut down cornerbacks. And Trice is one of those four positions. And I'm like, man, if he runs well, he could shoot up the everybody's draft board maybe. And, yeah, Payne Durham was in the senior bowl, looked really good. We know he can't run real well. But all he does is catch passes, my friend. Very productive guy, but he still may be a day three pick. Uh, I think Jalen Graham's a, a day three pick. Charlie Jones probably is too. And, again, if you go back to Aiden O'Connell, I'm like, he's going to be maybe the most intriguing of all these Boilermakers, right? Um, so how high is he going to go? Could he really get in that that second second day of the draft? Like you said, maybe a fourth or a fifth round pick. So uh, we all know that that league is desperate for quarterbacks. Yeah, you know he's going to be on a roster next year. It's just a matter if he's if he's going to get there as a draft pick or a free agent. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors, as always. If you do like the podcast. Please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Mike Carmen and Tom Deanhart, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.